0: This is Alumni Allowed, a podcast by Graduate Center students for Graduate Center students. In each episode, we talk with a GC graduate about their career path, the ins and outs of their current position, and the career advice they have for students. This series is sponsored by the Graduate Center's Office of Career Planning and Professional Turner, a Ph.D. candidate in Educational Psychology at the Graduate Center. I work in the Office of Career Planning and Professional Development, and I interviewed Devorah, who earned her Ph.D. in Musicology from the Graduate Center. She is now the Digital Preservation Manager at YIVO Institute for Jewish Research. Today I have Devorah Geller in the office, and she is a, she just got her music Ph.D. here at the Graduate Center. And we're going to hear about her work at YIVO Institute for Jewish Research, where she is the Digital Preservation Manager. Um, So hi, Deborah. Hi, thank
1: you so much for
0: inviting me, this is a treat. great to have you. So why don't you first tell us what you do at YIVO, and then you can kind of get us into the steps of how
1: you got there. Sure, Um, I'm the Digital Preservation Manager This encompasses uh, a couple of diverse kinds of things. Um, Every digital image that YIVO creates of its library and archival materials um, is kind of falls under my purview. And um, I'm basically in charge of ensuring access to these digital materials online for researchers, um, genealogists, kind of anybody who comes to our websites to look at this stuff. Um, And also ensuring long-term access to these materials, uh, which means um, monitoring uh, things like metadata, file metadata, and file fixity, making sure that um, the files stay intact and that the file formats are good over um, a very long span of time. So that's a big part of what I do. One of the roles I have as as part of managing uh, my organization's digital assets is I supervise a digital lab. I am kind of responsible for like $10,000 of expensive camera equipment. Um, I have a small staff. Um, Every Basically everything that gets digitized um, and put online is something that comes through my office. Um, Either me or... Um, somebody who works for me will is in charge of digitizing and essentially keeping track of all of the metadata and quality assurance and um, ingesting all of this material into our digital asset management servers um, so that everything goes online correctly. Um, yeah, so my job is, yeah, a lot of, it's a lot of things, managing inanimate objects, managing people and doing kind of larger long-term project management to make sure that um, many of the moving parts of various digitization projects are happening on track for logistical and funding reasons. Great, and so what first brought you to YIVO? Yeah, um, I came to YIVO actually the first time as a master's student and I was doing research for a term paper on yiddish operas and i mistakenly assumed that there'd be a lot of secondary scholarship that i would just be able to find at this place and i turned out to be very wrong um but this kind of term paper turned into um my dissertation project when i applied to the graduate center um, and then I kept going back to YIVO. Uh, I had to learn Yiddish to do my dissertation work. So spent a lot of time um, under that roof and um, ended up asking to volunteer there. I kind of knew at some point during uh, my time in my program that I did not necessarily want to pursue a traditional academic job. And um, the idea of working at YIVO particularly um, was kind of enchanting, Um, archives seemed like very magical places. So I went and I asked to volunteer, and YIVO is a kind of just-say-yes organization uh, in a lot of ways. And so they said, yes, why yes, why don't you come and volunteer? Uh, And then I thought, okay, I really like this, and kind of following um, some of the traditional branching into non-academic careers advice, and I went and I asked the director of the library about doing a summer internship, and her very polite answer was, you are probably overqualified. This is an internship for, you know, undergraduate and master's students, and you're like halfway through a PhD program. She said, but why don't you send me your resume? So I sent her my resume, my CV, and the next time I saw her, a couple of weeks later, she ended up offering me a part-time job, She said, it's not a music job, and I said, I don't really care, (laughs) and so I said, yes, I took it, Um, and I started doing quality assurance part-time, which a couple of promotions later has turned into where I am now. Yeah,
0: and so you were still dissertating, and so the part-time job actually was probably a better fit.
1: Um, The part-time job was a better fit. Um, When the job offer came to me, um, I had been teaching, I'd been Teaching as an adjunct lecturer at Brooklyn College, I'd been teaching one or two sections of a music appreciation course, and I decided that I'd, I'd probably improved as much as I was going to with my teaching of that particular course, Then it didn't seem likely I'd be offered anything else to teach. So I decided to stop teaching. I'd recused myself for whatever the next semester was and decided to focus on finding like a part-time, non-academic job. Um, for that semester, I actually also had a quantitative reasoning fellowship up at hostos community college so i was doing that two days a week i still had a semester left of that fellowship and then i was working at evo the rest of the week so it was kind of almost full time between those two that's great though the experience between the two it was really yeah it was surprisingly enriching i i never thought of myself as a quantitative person and honestly a lot of what i learned during that fellowship has been useful ever since
0: That's that's
1: awesome. So you actually started your job search
0: much earlier than most graduate students probably do.
1: Yeah. um, You were always thinking ahead, or what was your part of it? Was that um, I started my degree at the grad center before they offered a fellowship to everyone. So I actually came came here without really any kind of funding, Um, and it made me very, like, resourceful and kind of hungry, metaphorically, about just, um, like, making sure I had something in the works. So I actually started, I had connections at Brooklyn College from doing a master's degree there. So um, I was able to start being contingent faculty, essentially, my first semester at the Graduate Center, which I wouldn't necessarily recommend. But so I was able to kind of piece together different you know, adjunct appointments or short-term fellowships. Um, I applied, I, I just remember spending so much time applying for different fellowships and, you know, having faculty read, read different proposals for me and just having this sense that, like, I needed to make sure I had something lined up. Um, and eventually that transitioned into, well, what about a non-academic job? Like, here are all of these Jewish, cultural, Yiddish, musical, theatrical organizations around town where, you know, maybe I could do something. They're kind Uh, of
0: hybrid, aren't they? um, And There's scholarship there, for sure. There's a
1: lot of overlap. (laughs) Um, There's a lot of... um, There's a surprising number of people who are either musicians and or have, like, PhDs at EVO, and then um, it's a pretty small world, so, like, the only, like, remaining Yiddish... Theater, uh, the National Yiddish Folk um, you know, they send their artistic director to Yivo all of the time to look at our music collections, and there's a lot of collaboration and co-resourcefulness between uh, a lot of these organizations. It's been really rich.
0: Great. Um, So why would you recommend archival work for the PhD group, or even, we have, these are master's students as well.
1: Yeah. What do you think about um, that? Um <laughs> for me it's been a good fit. I for the people for whom it's a good fit, I recommend it. Um at my organization there's been a lot of room for people to make a place for themselves and self direct. I've been I'm pretty independent as a researcher and as um, like a person in an office. Uh, and so it felt really natural for me to come to a place where um there was just a lot of room for whatever people could envision, and kind of start steering things a little bit. Uh, that worked out really well for me. Um, I I like a lot of things about my job. Um, if you at all like working doing archival research, um, this this could be a very fruitful. I think it is really attractive uh, to a lot of our. Researchers. I I mean I like there is really something pretty magical for me about going to work every day. I work in a building with centuries worth of Jewish culture just kind of at my fingertips, and um, one thing about working at YIVO and seeing so many of our collections is it's really broadened my scope of what what Jewish history and in particular Yiddish history and Yiddish culture. Has been and it's really enhanced my appreciation for the kinds of things that we've collected and um, have to show the public.
0: So, how did your musicology PhD really lend well to this kind of job? What did you get out of completing your dissertation here and your PhD here
1: that Um, helped? I got a lot of things. Um, A huge thing was. support from the career and professional oh, okay. development office. I basically, every every non-fellowship thing I applied for, I think I made an appointment with somebody in here or I just kind of came in as a walk-in and, uh, you know, showed somebody my resume and showed somebody my cover letter. And it really, I mean, it really took several years to kind of, for me to feel comfortable writing about myself to you know pitched to somebody like in a cover letter but but everything I know about that I think I learned here. Yeah. And also I um the kind of uh rigor of a grad program and learning how to write and talk about history both to other people in my field and people not in my field has really been tremendously useful. Um I spend a lot of time trying to make the case either to co-workers or, you know, administrators above my pay grade at my organization or for grants of um, why our collections are important and like that kind of thing. And so kind of learning how to put things into a historical context, learning how to master information in a very short amount of time has proved to be a surprisingly important skill. I've been in a lot of meetings um, this year alone where just, you know, I have very little preparation and and have to go in and kind of like take a position and convince somebody why doing something one way is better than another and how will this save us money and how is this a better use of our time and, you know, how does this improve Ivo's, you know, stature for you know the general and scholarly public. I will also say that I have run into a lot of my colleagues in our reading room and connected with people whose work I only knew from journals or from email exchanges and was able to, you know, meet a lot of Yiddish other, you know, there aren't a lot of Yiddish music scholars, but the ones that there are, I have met most of them (laughs) through my job at Evo. And um, so it's been surprisingly, a surprisingly good place to actually network uh, (laughs) with my uh, musicology research. Great, great. So, um, yeah, what did you do your dissertation on? So I wrote my dissertation on uh, Yiddish theater music in New York in the early 20th century, which encompassed things like um, music in Yiddish films and um, Yiddish popular music and kind of taking a look at um, uh, a Yiddish musical comedy. Cool. And just kind of trying to look in a lot of different ways. Great. So so
0: having that historical perspective also made you probably more attractive to an archives.
1: Right yeah. well the, so the person who hired me the director of the library also has a PhD in musicology and so uh, she, she was, she's a really generous person professionally and I think she liked the idea of you know another person working on a musicology degree joining joining the organization
0: great great and congratulations on finishing thank you (laughs) so what kind of advice do you have for graduate center students who are thinking about the job market or maybe they've located something they like and they want
1: to start applying what are kind of your tips or things you learned along the way yeah that's a good question um I think it's good to think pretty broadly of not only career fields, but also like what kinds of skills are you good at and do you really enjoy using and that would kind of be your requirements for feeling fulfilled in whatever career that you have. Um, For me personally, kind of thinking through this really changed how I thought of my job search. And I thought, oh, well actually, you know, like doing the tenure track thing or contingent faculty, this maybe doesn't fit as well as I thought it does. There are other things I could do that could still, you know, use some of these skills. Um, The other thing is, I, I think it's important to think really broadly about like, what kinds of experience do you already have? that translates into whatever your career search looks like that you can bring to the table. Um, For me, before I came to the Graduate Center, I spent four years actually working my way up the corporate ladder at Starbucks, and I left the company as an assistant manager, and I ended up with some corporate management training. And I never thought when I left the company and started at the Graduate Center that this would be useful in any way. And I have to say... Um, It was a stressful job, but I use those skills every day at Evo. And I really think it's because I had this previous experience that not a lot of other people in my organization have had, I don't think.
0: And just coming out of graduate
1: school as well. Right, right, right. I have a really, I I feel like I had a really weird (laughs) set of credentials that recommended me to my job. But, you know, I do a lot of project management now and kind of overseeing, you know, the day-to-day. Are we on track? Like, what do we need to get on track? And I learned all of that outside of an academic setting. And I think that um, a lot of the times... People in PhD programs think I shouldn't talk about anything that's not strictly mm-hmm. academic. So I have to say, this is one of the first things I look for with interns and, um, like, people I would be interested in hiring at my organization is, what else can they do? Like, have they worked a retail job? Have they, you know, like, so how do they function? Somewhere. Do they, you know, are they passionate about something? You know, and just kind of, are they, you know, does it look like this person can function in a lot of different places or or have have experience from a lot of different areas to bring in. Um, And so I think that's really important. I I feel like we get taught a lot of the time, or at least I did in a music program, like don't don't talk about anything you've ever done that's not music or that's not academic. And I think, especially if you're looking at a non-academic job, um, it's really important to look back at those experiences and see how they can help you with
0: what might transfer.
1: Yeah, absolutely, yeah. because I think there's a lot.
0: Great. So if someone was interested in archival research, which I think is very attractive to our lot, especially our humanities grads, is it is it practical to shoot for archives, or is it very competitive? What's your kind of read on the market and availability of positions? Um, New are,
1: York versus elsewhere? There are not a lot of archives yeah. jobs. I mean, and I don't really know in comparison to tenure-track jobs or contingent jobs, like what the comparison is like. Um, I mean, there are, there are some archives jobs, at least in New York, um, which is primarily where I've looked. And a lot of them kind of want specific training. Um, like, there is a degree you can get in archival. Great. In yeah. archives. Um, and it's usually coupled with, like, a MLIS degree. Master's library in Information Science. Yeah. Like you can specialize in, in archives. And I know a lot of archivists at my organization who come from like a library and archives educational background and not a humanities background who would say, well, there's a, a difference. Um, I, would, I wouldn't I would really consider myself an archivist at this point. I don't process collections. Um, I work in more of an administrative role and digital role. But I, I think that... In in my kind of non-profit world, like, there's definitely room for people to come in and say, here's what I can do. And you just made me think to
0: ask, um, are there specific skills that this field is looking for right now? You mentioned, so yeah, there's other degrees you can get, but it's like... A computer skill a Um, something that there could use some training that yeah it's an interesting
1: it's an interesting collection of uh it's an interesting skill set aside from like the academic training um there is some light programming in terms of xml coding uh any kind of literacy with um with i don't know with adobe like you know the the usual kinds of software like it's it's pretty common outside of the academic world to be very familiar, especially with Excel spreadshe- spreadsheets, which I think, um, from my own experience coming out of a humanities program, like, everything I learned about Excel, I learned somewhere else. Um, <laughs> but, you know, having good spreadsheet skills and, and knowing, like, how to, how to work with information in, in that kind of format is really important. Um, yeah, programming, like, having any kind of, like, light software knowledge. Um, and the, so those should be
0: highlighted, too, on, like, yeah, yeah, and
1: I mean, a lot of, like, a lot of the things to be familiar with are pretty specific to archival work. work that I don't know how accessible some of this stuff is to, like, people kind of outside of that as a profession, but, I mean, there are a lot of transferable soft skills, um, things like having attention to detail and being able to work on deadlines and... You know, if you've ever worked in an archive, then you already have a baseline knowledge of how do you handle rare and delicate materials. Um, A lot of that applies when you're working with these things, you know, in an office as well as like when you're looking at these materials in a reading room as a researcher.
0: Is your position something that all archives would be like really looking to? Seems like it really making everything available online has to be the Um... thing now, right?
1: Yeah, so there's been a huge trend. I mean, I've noticed this as a researcher, and particularly since coming to Evo, um, there's a huge trend in digital access to books and archival materials. Um, and, um, I mean, digital component and having, like, digital literacy in terms of things like file metadata and what have you um, is, is something that's not going away for libraries and archives. Um, it, it honestly, I think, depends from organization to organization. Indus- industry-wide, I think there's a pretty clear shift towards digitizing things, as it's not only a means of making the stuff accessible online for the public, it's also a way of preservation. Yeah,
0: that
1: makes a um, sense. You know, because paper materials, they're going to fall apart eventually. Uh, yes. And, you know, uh, at least in my organization we've had to take a lot of hard looks at how much effort do we want to put into stabilizing and preserving the physical materials versus mm. preserving these physical the materials right by yeah. digitizing them. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I think a lot of what I do, other organizations are looking for. Great. If
0: that's it, unless you have one last thing to say before uh, to sign off. For
1: just, Thank you. This has been, um, yeah, I got a lot out of uh, coming repeatedly to the career planning office and um, just benefiting from everyone's advice, and it's cool to come back and Yeah, it's great to finally you know,
0: have a music perspective, yeah, too. Yeah, to share what the journey was like. Yeah, all right. Thanks so much. Thank you. Okay. Thanks again to Devorah for spending time to talk with us about her work at YIVO. If you'd like to make an appointment with one of our career advisors, like Devorah did, visit our website at cuny.is careerplan And you can follow us on Twitter at CareerPlanGC. Thanks for listening.